Welcome to the New Abbey Podcast. We are still in our question series. Today's question is, is it important to believe in a literal resurrection? Before we get started, the question I have for you all is, do you believe in a literal resurrection? some good conversation just for a show of hands before we even start the sermon today who grew up like in the evangelical church nice okay it's gonna be fun okay great i'm gonna preach a sermon that would have got me fired from another church it's awesome uh so that is the question we're talking about today uh the question posed right is uh is it important to believe in a little resurrection and as i read that question i like felt all my years of evangelical upbringing of like, if you don't, like if you even utter those words, a lightning bolt will immediately hit you. Um, and so I think it's fascinating because I think a lot of us in this room are in this space where we've been told what we need to believe. Um, and we're gonna talk about that, that frame a little bit and what it means to kind of question those. And the reality um, that I believe is true is that a non-yes doesn't necessarily mean a no. Um, and that's confusing, but maybe some things can uh, be up in the air and a little bit murky, and that's maybe important for our faith journey. So um, is it important to believe in the little resurrection? You tell me. <laughs> Spoiler alert, not going to answer, but we are going to have a conversation. Um, <laughs> and we're going to start uh, with a passage of scripture from Luke chapter 17, uh, where Jesus is talking about the kingdom of God, and it goes like this. Once, on being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, The coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed, nor will people say, Here it is or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. Then he said to his disciples, The time is coming when you will know, uh, when you will long to see one of the days of the Son of Man, but you will not see it. People will tell you, There it is, or Here it is. Uh, do not go running after them. For the Son of Man in his day will be like the lightning which flashes up the sky from one end to the other, but first he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. Just as it was in the days of Noah, so also it will be in the days of the Son of Man. People were eating, drinking, marrying, and be given in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark. Then the flood came and destroyed them all. It was the same in the days of Lot. People were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. But the day of Lot left Sodom, fire and sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. It will be just like this on the day of the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, no one who is on the housetop with possessions inside should go down to get them. Likewise, no one in the field should go back for anything. Remember Lot's wife? Wait, exclamation point. Remember Lot's wife? <laughs> um, 
whoever tries to keep their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life will preserve it. I tell you, on that night, two people will be in one bed, one will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding grain together. I feel like grinding grain could be like, like, oh, wait a minute. Um, <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> so, yeah, I know. Yeah, that was okay. Um, <laughs> oh, that makes me laugh. I know. That really hit my funny mood. Okay. One will be taken and the other left. Where, Lord, they, they asked. He replied, where there's a dead body, there the vultures will gather. Pretty inspiring. Um, so we're going to talk about this passage, and we're going to talk about a lot of things this morning, but I want to start with this beautiful um, proclamation that is made that the kingdom of God is in our midst. You will try to have people say it's here or it's there. Don't believe them. It is right in front of you. It is among us. It is in our midst. We are living it. We are experiencing it. Again, we say this almost every week, but it's not what you think. It's how you think. And we need to start thinking about the kingdom as something we are in and participating in right now. It's in our midst, right? And this may sound like a stretch, but track with me. It's kind of like racism. Hear me out. So um, me and my wife just went on this um, amazing adventure. It was almost two weeks for this trip. She was in a wedding in Homer, Alaska. Shout out to Nimesh and Travis. They were also there. Um, so Homer in Alaska is like the bottom left of Alaska. So uh, we decided to stretch out uh, the trip to take a little vacation. It's our only non-work trip of the year, so we were like, fun. So we decided to drive because we love road trips. So we drove to Portland from Portland to Seattle, uh, got on a plane in Seattle, flew to Anchorage, drove from Anchorage to Homer, it's a four hour drive, um, and then Homer back to Anchorage, and then flew back from Anchorage to Seattle, and then got on a ferry and went to this island called Vashon Island, which is right off the, of Seattle, like in Puget Sound. Um, and so there we were staying in um, like this wild, like oceanfront house that Sammy's brother's girlfriend's dad has, okay? <laughs> Don't worry about memorizing that. It's not super important to the story. Um, but just to recap, Portland, Seattle, Anchorage, Homer, Anchorage, Seattle, Vashon. All of those are some of the most beautiful places I've ever seen. Um, and none of them have any black people. <laughs> we literally made a bet in Alaska when we got there. What do you think we'll see first, another black person or a moose? <laughs> No lie, moose won, okay? We saw a family of moose sin um, before we saw a family of black people, which was, by the way, not, not until we got back home. So um, we're on this vacation, we're having this experience, and I'm like, I'm in awe because we're at this wedding that's like in this barn at the top of a hill that overlooks two glaciers. Like, I've never seen one glacier, so seeing two was like, wow. Um, and it's on this ranch, and there are kids on this ranch, and the kids on this ranch are like, I mean, just the coolest kids, like, literally like a seven-year-old kid, like, rides his dirt bike up to, like, the horse area, jumps on a horse bareback, and is, like, riding around, jumps off, and then, like, you know what I mean? Like, and everyone's just, like, 
all the people that like we met from like Portland all the way to Homer kind of had this similar vibe. Like it's this very like free, like they live outdoors, they live off the land, they like climb on the weekends. Everything they need is like packed up in an REI like duffel that expands into like a tent or something. I don't know. Um, and it was really fun. And, and, and I would say those are literally some of the most beautiful places I've ever seen, right? The Pacific Northwest in the summer, plus Alaska. Um, but something was like kind of slowly eating away at me that I couldn't identify. Um, and like on the plane ride back to Seattle, like I feel like I just was like, it's so many white people. And not that that's bad, but then I started to be confronted with the reality of like, well, why are these some of the most beautiful places I've ever seen? And why are there only white people here? And what does that mean? And like, why didn't I see anyone else who looked like me? Am I supposed to be in these places? What is that? And I'm having this whole moment and we get um, to Seattle and like, I'm still like processing in my mind, but I'm definitely starting to shut down. Um, and we get on the ferry, we go from the ferry to Vashon and, and uh, we're with Sammy's brother and, and his girlfriend and we're in this house and it's so beautiful. And it's a very small community on like a small island and the, we met the next door neighbor and as he's talking, this like nice guy, and he's just like, oh, we're a really tight-knit community. Like even if someone's gonna sell their house, they only sell it to like uh, someone who already lives here or their family members so we can like all stay in the like, tight community. And I'm just like, <laughs> okay. And um, <laughs> so then we are like, Sammy and I are laying out by the sun, like in the sun, and it's just the two of us. And I feel like that's like the first like sort of pause moment I had. And I look and I see this kid, and this kid's like just running, like living his life. Uh, at the beach, and I just freaking lost it. I burst into a million tears, and I'm not even like usually a crier, because I'm watching this kid, and as I see this kid, in an instant, everything I was feeling made sense, because I'm watching this kid, and then I'm thinking about Trayvon Martin and Tamir Rice, and I'm like, they don't have that. And I'm just like bawling, and Sammy's like, what's wrong? And I was like, racism is wrong. Like, our son isn't gonna live on a ranch and like ride horses bareback, he's not gonna, feel this free on a beach and then that makes me so mad and I'm so frustrated and I think I'm just sad that I haven't seen people who look like me in the most beautiful places. Like if you go to the beautiful places, we're not there and what does that mean about beautiful places? Maybe those aren't the most, and I'm just, I'm so sad and I'm angry and I just have had like eight days of like not seeing any diversity. Um, and then seeing this extreme beauty and that juxtaposition hit me so hard, I just burst into tears. And so um, I cried, Sammy cried, we, we talked, we shared our feelings, nothing was solved, but we shared um, our experiences and like there was an understanding of like, yes. Um, and we agreed that we're gonna have, our next trip is gonna be the blackest vacation we could think of. <laughs> um, that should. That should do the trick. So we're going to Durham, North Carolina later this month. But um, it, was a, it was an amazing time. But just for a moment, imagine with me what would have happened if as I burst into tears, Sammy leans over and she says, babe, can you point to the literal racism? Where was it exactly? Oh, it would have been a different conversation. That would have been a, an argument. Um, because that's not what matters in that moment. What matters was that I was a person that was experiencing something that was real because I know it. 
Was that thing that that guy said racist? No, he's talking about the neighborhood and what they do. Is it steeped in like 18 layers of already feeling racism? Yes. Can I point to like the literal physical racism? No, I can't. And that's not important for that moment between me and Sammy, right? And that is the difference, like Richard Rohr talks about this a lot, between spirituality and religion. Religion is something that you believe. Spirituality is something that you experience. And you know something that you experience. And you believe something that someone has told you to believe in. And the two should inform each other, right? We should have both spirituality and religion, these things we believe in. But the things we believe in oftentimes comes from the things we know. Do I believe in racism? Yes, because I know it, I've lived it, I've experienced it. I've <laughs> experienced it. I said it again. Experienced it. Yes. And you cannot take that away from me. You will never be able to convince me racism does not exist. Why? Because I live it. I know it. Now that informs my beliefs. And that's an important trajectory. We've gone the reverse trajectory, a lot of us, with our faith, especially when you grew up in the church. It's believe something first. It doesn't matter if you know it, if you experience it. Believing it is the most important. Well, what if maybe we switch them, right? And what if we become okay with talking about resurrection, not first in belief, but first in knowing? Because the question I have for all of us in this room is, is resurrection real in your life? Are you a person who believes that there can be hope after despair and healing after trauma and love after pain and freedom after fear and freedom after oppression and life after death? Are you a person that believes that you're here because you already made it through the worst thing you've ever been through? Okay, well then let's start there and maybe work our way back. Life is not like this. Like if you're ever in a hospital and you look on the little machine and it's not like doing this, bad news, right? <laughs> there is nothing in our life that stays like this. So if you understand that rhythm and you buy into the idea that that is possible for yourself and you believe in this idea of resurrection, then you think back to a moment where you thought you could never have hope again. You thought you wouldn't make it again. You thought you wouldn't see the other side of it and you're on the other side. That's resurrection. So start with what you know, start with your experience and use that to inform the way you encounter the world. And maybe, just maybe, the other things will work themselves out. My beliefs are so defined by what I know because it's what I've experienced, because it's unshakable. The unshakable truth that I feel in the power of resurrection, right? You cannot take it from me because I've seen it. I've seen myself come back from things I never thought I would get through. It's resurrection, right? And historically, Christianity and people have been afraid of change, and resurrection is change. And so it's easier to say, well, let's believe in a historical fact and literal truth than to engage in the messy reality of what it means to encounter um, and be present in your everyday life and experience that resurrection. It's a little bit harder. They're not mutually exclusive. But sometimes it's important to start with what we know. Richard Rohr says this, that wisdom is the freedom to be fully present in your life. And I love that. Wisdom is the, is the freedom to be fully present in your life. And as we started this, right, when we talk about the kingdom, if it's in our midst, 
then being fully present in our life is being what? Present with God. He, I was listening to his Super Soul with Oprah, super trendy, relevant, and um, he was talking about this idea, and he said, I like to talk about God not so much as a being, but as being itself. If God is being itself, then we understand that God is in everything and around everything and through everything and what in our midst. If God is being, our, is being itself, if God is in our midst, if we are fully present in our life, we are going to encounter resurrection. We're going to know it. And we're going to be open and aware to engaging in it. So you go out through this whole chapter that we read earlier, right? And it references all of these things that happened. Like the people were being greedy and they were like caring about their possessions and then um, all these things. And then the flood and then the people cared about this and they weren't paying attention. And then the fire and the sulfur. And then it's giving all these examples. Whether you believe in a literal ark or a literal sulfur and fire falling from the sky or not isn't the most important thing. The most important thing is, are you seeing the trend that when you're not present and engaging in the reality that the kingdom is in our midst and it's important and we need to be living it now, death will come. Either metaphoric, you might not get hit by sulfur falling out of the sky, but death will come. The kind of death that Corey was talking about earlier. Did he die? No. But was there something numbing in his life that he was avoiding? Yes, that's death. Can you come back from that? Yes, he's here. Right? And when you start to break that down, and I love in the passage where it's like, yes, Jesus' return will be glorious, and it will come after suffering. <laughs> and then we get to this passage that I've heard a trillion times in my life, right? Whoever um, seeks to keep their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life will gain it which I always understood as like, give your life to Christ. And I never knew what that meant, but just every day I'd be like, it's yours, don't take it from me. <laughs> um, you can have it as long as I get to live. Um, but I like understanding it through the reality that whoever tries to keep their life, whoever is trying to avoid crucifixion, to avoid suffering, to keep their life the same, whoever is trying to hold on to all of the things that will not allow them to be present in the reality that we are living in kingdom truth right now, you will lose it. Death will come. Whoever is willing to lose their life, to experience crucifixion, to walk through suffering like Jesus did, you will find it. You will find resurrection. This is an important reality because it shifts the way that we live our everyday lives. I'm not as interested in debating whether or not the literal resurrection happened. Because at the end of the day, do I believe in a literal resurrection? I do. And on most days, my wife doesn't. And every day, we believe in the tikkun olam, the repair of the world. Every day, we believe that freedom can overcome oppression. And we believe that you should fight the evil of the world and not just give in, because there is this arc of the moral universe that bends towards justice. We do believe that healing can come after trauma. And we are moving in the same direction. And maybe the rest will work itself on, out on the way there. And that's really important. Are we going to wake up in the morning and debate whether or not the literal resurrection happened? I don't know that that's as important as trying to live it. As meeting with people who are in their crucifixion and saying, you can come out on the other side of this. And if you start to believe that is true about your life and you see it in your life, then that shouldn't change the way that we encounter the world. And I think the biggest critique of Christians um, American evangelical Christians today is they don't what? They don't freaking engage the world. 
They're not actually confronting the evil of the world. They're not actually out there bringing hope and saying, okay, yes, this sucks, but I'm going to fight because I believe in this thing called resurrection and that we can overcome things. If you actually believe that, then you should be bringing hope to despair. You should be bringing freedom to oppression. You should be bringing healing to trauma. For the world, if you understand that and you know it to be true because you've experienced it, well, that changes the way I look at the overwhelming number of everything that's wrong in the world. Can I fix it all? No. Will I try? Absolutely. Because I'm not going to bank on the fact that if I believe in an idea that somehow at the end of this weird gap in between, I'll just get to go, like, like Corey says, in the elevator up, right? Because the kingdom is in our midst. So believe in the little resurrection or question the little resurrection or go on that journey with yourself. But remember that right now we are living in the kingdom and that the principle of resurrection is true. You want resurrection, you got to go through crucifixion. You're not willing to go through crucifixion, it will come anyways. And death begets more death. The end of this verse, it's like wherever death is, the vultures will come. Yes, death begets more death. You don't want to deal with that thing that you're hiding somewhere deep down on the side. Guess what's going to surround that? More and more death. You don't want to confront the evil like, of, of homelessness or, or, or all these things in your community. Guess what's going to happen? It's going to pile up. We have an incredible opportunity, um, I think, as a community like ours that is willing to say, okay, probably half this room believes in a literal resurrection. Maybe the other half is like, I'm not really sure. I actually haven't thought about this question since sixth grade. Great. But do all of us believe that our healing is inextricably tied to the healing of the world and we need to participate in that in a real and true way right here in the kingdom that is currently in our midst? I really care about that. I care about it a little bit more than whether or not you believe in the literal resurrection. Because believing in the literal resurrection is not wrong. I believe in it. Um, and I believe in it because of what I know. So let's start with what we know. And if you're in this room and you know that you're here because you've already made it through something, well, then you know resurrection. And if you want to get to the beliefs, let's have those conversations. So I'm not scared of it. But maybe let's start here and work our way back. Let's be a community that knows resurrection in our own life and can bring resurrection to the world around us. Because in that passage, like it said, uh, these people will be doing the same thing, right? And one of them will be present to the reality that we are living in the midst of the kingdom of God, and one of them will not. That's important. It's not as much a fear of fire and sulfur as it is of missing the kingdom that is happening right freaking now in front of our face. So, I think that's all I got. With that, um, we're going to get back in our groups and we're going to talk about this question. Where in your life have you seen resurrection and where do you want to?
Thanks for listening to the New Abbey podcast. For more information, visit us on the web at www.newabbey.org.